What is going on, everybody? We are back. The team is back. It is your boy, Darnell Sparrow, a.k.a. the Bad Superman. Mark Karma, Illinois. I got the boss himself, the L.E. Crooked Letters. Wesley McRoberts, what is going on, boss? What's going on, everybody? We are happy to be back. And uh, we had a good show today, I think. Yeah, we, we got a good show. I had I had to had to take him take him back with the old Doom All American Ron Simmons theme real quick. I know some probably like, who is that? <laughs> yeah, you uh you just probably crushed the millennials. They have no clue what's going on. No, but if you see the picture up, is the picture of Ron with the WCW title across his shoulder, which by the way, I did you know I own a lot of belts. I actually own that belt. You have a couple. I, I have a couple. I definitely have a couple, but one of the reasons I got that specific belt was because Ron Simmons had it. And it's too bad when I met Yeah, and it's too bad when I actually met him at WrestleCon for WrestleMania week and I didn't have the belt on me. I told him that I had it. He would have been uh, glad to sign it, but like like you said, we are back. We are better than ever. We're going to be better than ever for episode four. No, you've been out on vacay. With your daughters doing all the father daughter things, doing the birthday present thing, which is awesome. You know, you're d- doing what you can uh, for the stores despite all this COVID going on. So we, like I said, we got a lot to talk about tonight. Uh, yeah, it's been a it's been a trying few weeks here. Uh, my town got hit by COVID pretty bad because the town had a private prom for the uh, the we- and all the kids got sick. So uh, it's been a trying few days. We posted something on the page earlier. We're having a sale because the store is closed down for the next couple of weeks as the town is quarantining again. Um, so if you're interested in getting anything from the store, shoot us over a message. and We can send you pictures. We can live video from the store when we're open as far as being in the store. And uh, we can sell stuff to you. That way I know Trey, who was our guest host on the last episode, is going to be sending us over an order, I believe. So... If you're interested in anything in the store, we can definitely mail it to you. Because as of right now, there is no walking through customers. I know there's this COVID guy, people fearing to do a lot of stuff. But don't let that stop you from having a good time. Just be safe about it. Be safe, exactly. Wear a damn I mean, what, mask what, what, what two, to. three, four? You know, as long as your face and your nose is covered, use a bandana like some people do. Just protect yourself. Don't let this keep you out. I'm just saying, we have waited our entire lives to wear wrestling masks legally. How's the time, guys? Get your wrestling mask, cut the top off of it like I did. It's fantastic. Right. So, let's get this party started. Now, we are talking about factions, or as the old school folks would say, stables. And we're not talking tag teams like two guys. We're talking about three, four guys, a manager. That's what we talking about. And you know, over the years of wrestling, there was a lot of them. And I oh, got a, of a lot of them. But I know we're probably going to go through all of them because we're going to talk about the ones that were meaningful, the ones I like, probably the ones you like, and probably some that, that were fun. It was like, eh, why did they get together? But this, this is going to be an, an interesting topic. But before we start, anything we need to pre-plug? Guys, we just want to let you know that we are having an auction or having a raffle for an autographed three and a half foot long Hacksaw Jim Duggan tour um, complete um, with the certificate of authenticity. We also are going to throw in that auction a RetroFest um, 
hacking. Up to me, that's enough. But if that's the three and a half foot long, if I haven't already said that, um, yeah. the retro fest figure. They're also going to get an autographed copy of Nikolai Volkov because was Hacksaw Jim Duggan's number one feud throughout the 80s. They probably wrestled a thousand times um, over the WWF circuit overseas. I mean, all through America. And uh, whoever ends up winning this is going to win something really, really cool. So keep an eye out for that. We're going to be doing that here probably this week, I would think. I mean, think about that. Three and a half foot long, two by four. Autographed by the Hall of Famer himself, a retro fest hacksaw Jim Duggan, and an autographed Nikolai Volkov. Come on, yeah, that's a lot of stuff. That's a lot of stuff, and and you can and you can give him a pretty much nothing, a dollar. You can win it for a dollar, two dollar, whatever the fees. If we auction it, I mean, it's going to a good cause. That is a that's a steal in itself. That's a good, easy, close to a grand if if you really want to sell it that much. Yeah, and what happens too with hacksaw Jim Duggan? Get an autograph. It can be low ball, hundred and fifty bucks. It could be all the way up to three hundred. Um, and right now, what he's doing, he's autographing mini two by four. So he'll take a two by four and cut it down eight times. So you get a little six inch piece of it. This is a real three and a half foot long two by four. And I love his autographs the entire board. It says um, hacksaw Jim Duggan. WWE Hall of Famer, USA, I think. And then it says Ho across the bottom of it. So, I mean, it's a really awesome autograph. And, and it's, it's something. I mean, it's Hexall Jim Duggan. And the good part, that's something that doesn't exist anymore. So, that, that's a one of a kind. And you have the COA to it. So, you can't beat that. But let's get into the topic. And now, like I said, we're talking about factions. We talk about stables. So, my first question to you is what makes a good faction? All right. So, for a good faction, I think. To action, we're probably going to tonight. The ones that stand out the most have one common denominator, and it has absolutely nothing to do with wrestling. It is the wrestling who together. Um, there is all of the good ones down in your top four or five. There's usually somebody who is a standby at ringside to cause a little bit of havoc. And I think that is your common denominator. If it's not J.J. Dillon or Joel Gertner or China with DX, there's always or Rick Rude with DX. There's always one common denominator in each group. Um, Eric Bischoff with the NWO. There's always somebody like that who is the pot stirrer. And I, that is what is the nucleus of a good faction. Well, I think for me, I think what makes a good faction is the story behind it. Because you can put a bunch of great guys together, but if there's nothing to tell that story of why they got together, what is the purpose of them being together? Like the, like you talk about the four horsemen, all great wrestlers. They all had money. They all had women. They all had that one thing. They all were champions. There was nothing different about them. They were, they, they was all a cohesive unit. You talk about the NWO, the original, I'll say, <laughs> Know Not why the we, 75 uh, no, members We know where they came from, and we knew why they came to WCW. And then when Hogan came in, that just set that, that just told the story perfectly. Have you ever yourself, because you, you wrestled, have you ever been in a faction? 
You know, um, when I first started, um, as many of you have heard the story before, I started when I was 15 years old, and they put me under a Hayabusa mask, and my wrestling name was Jinsei Tora, which stand for the Great Tiger. Foundation Zaki fan, and I was also a Hayabusa fan, so I was really okay with that name, though. Um, but before they put me under that mask, they were talking of putting me in called which ended up being my my first feud in wrestling became troubled youth um, but i was going to be in that faction that never happened and then another time in my career they were talking about putting me in one called the society of sin but the biggest problem with me in factions and most promoters used to tell me this and i used to make me so mad because i never got a break i never got had somebody to tag out to it was always just me in there getting my butt kicked um, promoters would always tell me that my promos were too good to have somebody else with me and that I needed to be in the ring all the time. Not because I was great, but just, I wasn't a good tag team wrestler. I wasn't a good teammate. I was more of an individual lone wolf type guys, but also as less fortunate, you don't really want to have people backing you up. You want to have the, you know, that kind of I'm raw and gritty and I don't have anybody to stand by my side. If you know what I mean? I know for me, like I say, I've never quote unquote wrestled, but yes, I was in the business, started out as an announcer, became a manager of my first group. I, at first, I was managing a guy named Gabriel Stalker, Italian guy, wore the little cutoff shirts with the necktie, with the pants, pretty basic. Got a group together. He had a tag team partner named Tech Nine, aka Marcus O'Neill. They were the they were the straight edge movement. I became their manager. And then we just started adding guys. It was three of us at one time. And then as time passed, we took the straight edge off because we were nothing. What people thought straight edge was, we were pretty much the total opposite. We drunk, we beat people up, we, had, we were the complete opposite. So we ended up just becoming the movement. And that was pretty, that was pretty much my group for a long time. And then I became a president of a company and I had a group called the administration. How ironic is that? And I had, I was the president. I had a VP. I had my second. I pretty much had a staff. So kind of, it was a kind of a modified York Foundation. We were just all, all men. And I was that. I was that president that no good guys liked. I, I made it very miserable for them. And then all the quote heel champions, I made sure they came and worked for me. Because I made sure that one, they became champion. Two, they stayed champion. And if something didn't go right, I was able to modify the rule book, so to speak. There you go. And I, I definitely miss those days. But what factions stood out to you the most? Well, see, now I wasn't a big horseman. So mine are going to pick up in some weird times that are going to jump out to you a little bit. So I was a huge ECW fan. My wrestling career started as I was doing um, a street team for ECW. But one of my favorites, and I'm going to lead into it with uh, what he told me on my 17th birthday. Well, well, well. Um, Joel Gertner being Dudley boys, Dudley, um, when they would come into an arena, the Dudley had already established they were the greatest tag team in the world before they ever stepped foot in a wwe ring they were the greatest tag team in the world at that point in time they were just so good they were so good at their jobs but their faction which is often forgotten because their faction but 
Ty Dudley, and then Joel Gertner managing them, they were a force to be reckoned with. Now, only two of them frequently wrestled is Bubba and Devon, but the Dudley boys as a faction ran ECW. And that was one of my all-time favorites. And you got people like Spike out of that same. And, and, but uh, an ECW alumni, I was a huge Flock fan. Ravens Flock was horrible. None of them won a match besides Saturn. The Flock was amazing. I loved Saturn. And Sick Boy. I did like Sick Boy quite a bit, too. I'm going to tell you, I'm going to tell you the very first faction that I ever saw that I thought were badass. And I'm about to take you. All the way back. We're going back to the Mid-South days. We're going back to the world-class championship wrestling days. Uh-oh. And I'm talking about Devastation Incorporated. You, right, talk about, you, you talk about Skandor Agbar has some of the baddest dudes in that group. You talking about dudes like Abdullah the Butcher. You talking about dudes like the One Man Gang. You talking about Butch Reed. You talking about Kamala. May he rest in peace. Rest he, even had dudes, he even had dudes you never think he'll have in his faction. Did you know Steve Austin was a member? I did not know that, actually. Yep, he had the, the missing link. He had John Noe. I didn't believe there was no other barbarian. I mean, he had one of he had he had one of the most underrated guys in wrestling that I think a lot of people slept on back then, and that was El Perez. Yeah. Yeah. And you see, and this is what I was getting to earlier, all these people, though, were stars before they were stars. And sometimes it takes a faction to bring that out of somebody because when you have a group, um, good example, the dangerous Alliance, um, with Paul Heyman, Steve Austin, Rick rude. Um, who else was that? Bobby, yeah, Bobby Eaton, Arn Anderson. Uh, Steve Austin was not a star yet. He was going to be a star. We didn't know he was going to be stone cold. Steve Austin by no means, but, and uh, Medusa was in this group. Um, Mm -hmm. But when Arn Anderson was in this group, yep. um, you put guys like that together, they're going to try to outshine each other, and nothing but good comes from that, and that's how stars are made. So having a group is always, to me, a good thing because you're going to get the rub off somebody. You're actually not wrestling. You're going to get the rub off your teammate because you want to be better than them, and if they're already established like an Arn Anderson or a Rick Rude, you're going to elevate your game. And I've always found that very interested about factions. Definitely, definitely. And I, I'm, I'm going to take it back even further. This was even before my time. But if we talk about Jimmy Hart, you know, he was one of the greatest managers ever. But if you go back to the, that 70s period, that, that 70s period, early 80s period here in Memphis, when he had the first family, if you, right, see, the, if right. you see the roster that this man had, much, I could say about 80% of that roster are legends right now. I could say, man, I could say all of them are legends. So a lot, some of them a lot of people don't know, but the majority of this roster, King Kong Bundy, Dennis Condry, Bobby Eaton, Wayne Ferris, got the Nature Boy Buddy Landell, Austin Idol, Jim Neanderthal, the Iron Sheik, Kevin Sullivan, Coco B. Will, Rick Rude, Savage. Eddie Gilbert, Tommy Rich, just them names alone. That's not even boo, that's, Tommy that's, Rich. Boo. <laughs> what did what did you dislike about Tommy Rich? Oh, oh, me and Tommy Rich are not buddies. <laughs> I'm not, he, 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 Wayne Ferris is the honky tonk man. 
Yes. Because everybody's like, Ooh. Who's Wayne Fair? That was old honky talk, man. Yeah, yeah Tommy Rich, man. He's just a, he's a character. And I'm not even going to go through the names Jimmy Hart had in WWF because a lot of people, you know, they know those guys. But you talk about that first family. I mean, and a and majority of all of them were champions. Yeah, yeah. So for you, what and I guess this is kind of a segue from that. What was uh, your favorite faction, though? Which one stood out to you as that there can never be another of this? I would have to say the Bobby Heenan family. I would have to say the Heenan family because I'm kind of on board with you with that. Because because Bobby Heenan alone, just alone, made everybody that worked with him bigger than they were. And we already knew how great Bobby Heenan was as a manager. We knew how great he was. He knew how he knew how to sell people. He made the Brooklyn and he made the Brooklyn brawler look good. And he was surrounded by killers. I mean, he had Andre, he had Haku. I mean, he was surrounded by legitimate. And cause we would have never known Mr. Perfect badasses. the way we did, in my opinion, right. if it wasn't for Bobby Heenan. Yeah, I always find it wild to watch like WrestleMania 2, I think, or 3, and like every bad guy that comes to the ring is coming to the ring. <laughs> That's always funny to me. They're coming to the ring with no music. But back then, I mean, everybody had a manager. But you got to think about it. The Heenan family been going on since the AWA days. Right. Right. So that, that, and he had back then, he had what? You go back to what, Bobby, Bobby Duncan Sr.? He had guys like that in his group. He had Sergeant Slaughter at one time. Stan Hansen at one time. But what, out of all those members, I know he had a lot. Who do you think didn't get the just he deserved out of all the members oh, that you man. know of? I would say, well, see, that's hard. Probably uh, Don Morocco. Was it Don? Not, not, not Don Morocco. Dino Bravo. Dino Bravo to me, um, which was a later. I mean, that was right before Bobby left. Um he never quite got to where he needed to be. And then they ended up sticking with Jimmy Hart, which didn't, to me, didn't work. Bobby had him originally. And it just, I just, I don't know. I feel like Bobby didn't invest in him or something, but Jimmy worked. I mean, it worked out with Jimmy, but him and Bobby, I kind of felt like was a missed opportunity. I think for me, there were two, I think really should have been at the time, WWF champion, Paul Londorf and Rick Rude. Yeah, and Rick Rude, see, that's another situation there, too, where to me it's, see, Rick Rude kind of comes, he's in that category of me with Mr. Perfect. He's in that category of me with Owen Hart, um, where why wasn't he a bigger star? Why wasn't he, I mean, he was the man in WCW at one point in time for a very short oh. period of time. Oh, yes. Um, but, yeah, why was he, Ricky the Dragon Steamboat's another one that falls in that category, just underutilized fantastic talent that just they couldn't figure out what they were doing with them exactly i'm i'm gonna go i'm gonna step it up there was a group i was a fan of a lot of people wasn't i think as i got older i kind of got the gimmick but you know when they were out around that time i was still young i was a big fan of the varsity club see i missed out on the varsity club because i didn't 
catch him till later on when he became a uh, IRS and um, the other stuff they did. I see. I missed out on that, but I seen the later years of it. I don't know if you remember. They brought him yeah, back. Yeah, they did bring him back. Um, they brought Sullivan, Steiner, and Rotunda. But once they got, when Dr. Det joined the varsity club, yeah. champion, that was like a shock. When Dan yeah, I missed it, that time. That's a little bit before. It was me. weird when Dan Spivey did it, when he joined the varsity club. It, it, it was kind of weird. Even when Kevin Sullivan was was their leader, you know, he was the games master back then. Right. But when they first started, because at the time, Mike Rotunda was Florida heavyweight champion. Then they gave the belt to Rick. Then Mike Rotunda became television champion, which I think he was one of the most underrated television champions out there. He is uh, the, probably the most underrated wrestler of all time, I think. Him and Ted DiBiase. Oh, definitely. them as a tag team, I think that was an ongoing joke of, hey, let's take two of the best wrestlers in the world and we'll tag team them and let them lose to everybody. Now, why did they? Because it was just horrible. Now, why did they make but They were so good. Oh, yeah, they were great. And why did they make him? Now, I understood the captain, Mike Rotundi, was captain of the Revenant team. But when they put that captain's hat on him, I think, okay, they just ruined it. They just ruined it. Yeah, that, he was another one, though. I think he uh, he had too much in-ring talent. As Steve Austin says, um, he was a real good worker. And that doesn't – I mean, you got to uh, stand up for yourself sometimes and say, I'm not going to do something. And he, unfortunately, never really did that till later years, I guess. Right. But, yeah, that's uh, – there's some other good ones in there, though, that, you know, there's some factions that didn't work out that uh, I thought would. Is there any factions you can think of that you thought was going to be bigger than what they were? Hmm. I would have to say for that one – and it, to me, some might, some might disagree with me on this, but I thought the Million Dollar Corporation should have been bigger. Yeah, and see, that was that came to my mind because when they flipped 123Kid and he went into the Million Dollar Corporation with Bam Bam and all of them, to me it seemed like it was rushed and it was going – I think they were going into Survivor Series at that point in time, which is normally when they, you know, really push that angle. Um, but it didn't last much longer after that. I remember the Nikolai Volkov angle where they put him in the Million Dollar Man's tights, but it had a scent sign it, on the side of it. Yeah, that was kind of goofy. Yeah, so after that, I mean, they kind of ruined that. To me, um, the Nexus is one of those. I know WWE considers that one of their best factions ever. I kind of thought that was a fail. Um, and I agree. and let, let me let me jump in on. Let me tell you why I, I thought it was a fail. I understand what they was trying to do. You know, get the NXT guys and let them become rebellious and stuff like that. One, they shouldn't want. Uh, I, I would say, like, I give you an example. Skip Sheffield. If Skip Sheffield had the Ryback gimmick in Nexus, it would have worked. Yep, hundred percent. When um, what is his name? Was was Darren's name? Oh, Darren Young. When Darren Young back then, everybody thought he looked like a a dark skinned John Cena. That didn't work. That stupid haircut with them goofy tights. That didn't work. When PJ Black, Justin Gabriel, didn't work. He Slater shouldn't have never been there. But I could see like Barry. I could see like Michael Tarver. I could even see Daniel Bryan if they did it correctly. Like I said, yeah, like they, they threw those debuted him as Bryan Danielson, and he was kind of. I think he should have maybe not been the leader, but I think Wade Barrett as the leader might have been the biggest mistake they ever made. Um, 
Well, let, but let's jump. Let's, let's talk about that. So which, which version was better? Wade Bear's version or CM Punk's version? See, and this is the problem, and this is why I don't like that faction, is they split it up too soon. Because what they did is NWO Wolfpack is pretty much what they did. You had the Nexus and the Nexus, and it just didn't work. And I'm a huge uh, advocate for CM Punk. I think everything he did was brilliant. Um, I think every time he invested in something, it was great. But I don't think that he was invested in that whole thing. I think he was just trying to get to the next storyline or get to his contract and be done. Because if you remember when he dropped the pipe bomb, he was wearing his Nexus shirt. Yep. When he dropped the pipe bomb originally the week before, and then, then he had the Austin shirt on the night of. But um, he was still – I mean, they had the Nexus logo with the CM Punk hand and all that. I mean, they were investing in him to take that somewhere. But, I, you know, I kind of feel like they dropped the ball on that too, which uh, to me that group was not together long enough, and then they beat them off too soon. If you remember it, uh, I think that was uh, – the SummerSlam Survivor Series when they had Bret Hart on the team and yeah, Bret Hart on the team and then Daniel Bryan came out and they just and the Miz was kicked off the team like it was just such a goofy thing. Those guys should have ran through them and destroyed them and but at that point John Cena couldn't lose either. So no. you know what I mean? Like Wade Barrett maybe should have became the world champion, agree or something instead of these guys are trying to take over and they never take over. Why not let them take over? Like, they destroyed the ring. Like, I just always felt like that was a missed opportunity. But if you look at WWE's faction DVD, they paint the Nexus as the greatest thing ever. And I just never really – it never did you, that for me. And if you look at it, look what they're doing now with this retribution. The Nexus Ben did that. Yeah. Not, not serious, but that's pretty much what they did. And I was going to ask you how you felt about this. And, you know, we don't talk politics or nothing because neither you or I uh, get too deep into that the, the rabbit hole of politics but doesn't this feel a little too political it feels too much like what you're watching on tv already happening in the real life situations like maybe it is it, the approach it definitely is, is. because if you go back do you remember the muhammad Hassan incident right, right. if you, you remember that you saw it, it they made it up they made that a big deal and he pretty much lost his career because of that so i think they're they're yeah, they're, they're trying to be too real but this is not really the right time to be real. And once they reveal themselves, when they take those masks off, if it doesn't make sense, it's going to fail. And those so, people are going to be damned. I mean, that's uh, especially so my, right now in our country, because our country is split 50-50, I would say, or maybe even 60-40 or worse. And I would, I don't know how to, I guess it's they're dressing up like they're Antifa or they're uh, some type of group like that is the, the idea behind it, I'm supposing. But when these people take those masks off, they're going to be forever ridiculed for this group of that's their thought and belief. And that may not be their thought and belief, not saying that's wrong or right or indifferent. But, I mean, this could be real bad for whoever is underneath those masks, which is the other problem. I don't think they know who's under those masks at this point. Um, you I know, think they, they're they still have trying to, to figure it out. They have the rumor. So the only thing that's going to make this word who's ever leading it. If somebody's leading it, that doesn't make sense. Like, I, I'll give an example. Let's say if CM Punk was leading this. Makes total sense. It, it makes total sense. But if you got somebody that either was released at one time or is an NST guy you're trying to call up, it's, it's, it's going to look stupid. 
if it's not somebody so well known that every WWE fan turns on a TV and knows who it is, it's going to fail miserably. Um, it's got to be a well-known person. It cannot be a call-up that nobody knows. Uh, it just won't work. There's, I mean, there's no way. It can't be um, an indie star that they're trying to create. It's that this angle is not going to – it needs to be, and I hate to say it, it needs to be NWO Hogan. It needs to be something right. of that magnitude, a John Cena. Um, and I know everybody's going to crap on that, but um, – a John Cena NWO version, John Cena. If, if, and if you if you look on YouTube, I guess they're doing a video game, a video game version of that story. If John Cena was in the NWO, that would make perfect sense. If John, this is the perfect time for John Cena to turn heel. He's not wrestling. He's quote unquote retired. This would be the perfect time for him to go heel and not have to wrestle every show. Has minions to send out and do his dirty work. Um, I mean, there's a lot of guys to me it could be, but I really think it's CM Punk. Um, I don't think CM Punk will ever wrestle again, so um, y'all can quote me on that. I don't think he'll ever wrestle again. That doesn't mean that he wouldn't work in a managerial way like a J.J. Dillon or something like that or be the voice of a faction. He would be fantastic at that, and he doesn't like wrestling. He doesn't want to deal with the politics of it. What better way for him to come back and get paid since his show got canceled uh, is to come in and be a Paul Heyman-type figure, be somebody that's leading a faction. That's just scream CM Punk to me. Exactly. But let's talk about a guy who had a bunch of guys, never really had a name for his group. But I think, I don't know if this was intentional, but I think he should have got his more due. And that was Slick. I think the only time Slick really had champions is when he had the, was it the Sheik and uh, Volkov? Yeah, he always kind of had the weird combination. I don't think uh, Boss Man and uh, One Man Gang ever really did a whole lot. Um, and there should be no reason why they shouldn't have been champions, especially when you're feuding with the Mega Powers. Right. That should have you know, been the perfect time. You you broke them up. You called the Mega Powers to break up. You was part of that main event. That should have been a perfect time they should have been champions because he had, like I said, the Sheik and Volkov. He had Rick Martel. Right after he left Strikeforce, which didn't really make sense, he had the Warlord. He had Power. Had had the had him had the Barbarian. He had Power and Glory. Not now. Do you think Power and Glory could have been better? Uh, see, to me, Power and Glory kind of fall in the Strikeforce category. Um, another one, which this is a little bit out of the faction territory, but. Um, at that point in time, I believe they were creating tag teams to create four other tag teams. Um, they were trying to make the Hart Foundation, which we all know they did a very good job of doing that. They were trying to make Demolition. They did that. Uh, and then you had the Bushwhackers. Um, and that was, and the, maybe the Bulldogs, the British Bulldogs. Um, but other than that, I mean, they weren't trying to make any tag teams. They were using these other – Strike Force was a great tag team for somebody to build off of. Um, but Power and Glory to me just kind of – I don't know. They just kind of felt like an undercard team that could lose if they needed to. You know what I mean? They never they never really stood out as – they weren't doing anything so special that I was hooked up to it and invested in it, I guess. I guess invested would be the right word. And, and we talked about Strike Force. Do you think Martell should have got the push more than Tito? Uh, see, I don't, 
I don't disagree with it. I just think the timing was wrong. I, I think if they would have done that angle more like a Shawn Michaels, Marty Jannetty thing, um, and they maybe put the WWF twist to it where there's a little bit more going on, maybe they needed a barbershop window. You know right. what I mean? Maybe right. they needed a gimmick like that instead of just breaking them up and them feuding for, what, two weeks and that's the end of it? Mm-hmm. Um, I think maybe if they would have had something like the barbershop window, you may be saying that Rick Martel's one of the greatest wrestlers of all time today. I mean, he's the former AWS. saying that about somebody else. And he had that big, that's at the period, you know, he was, he was real young and he had that big ugly AWA title. I actually had that action figure when they had the, the Rick Martel and the Baron Von Rasky with it. Oh, yeah, the old AWA figure. Yeah, that, yeah, that was my first AWA figure. I didn't even know it was AWA. I didn't know who Rick Martel or Baron Von Rasky was at that time, but it was wrestling figures. I, I was, so I, I was satisfied with it. Wrestling figures that you could not break. Exactly. <laughs> oh, no, fantastic. If your life depended on it. Like I said, we got a lot of facts. And I said, a lot of them we're not going to talk about because a lot of them you know, and pretty much everybody had the same same opinion. You know, we talked about the Dangerous Alliance. Let's talk about the Dungeon of Doom. Oh, God, I was hoping you wouldn't bring that up. <laughs> oh, no, you got you to gotta bring up the Dungeon of Doom. Oh, so with that, okay. With that being said, what was wrong with it? Wrong, okay, wrong time. So it'd probably be easier to list what was right with it. Um, Kevin Sullivan <laughs> as the leader. Great idea. Kevin Sullivan as a wrestler at, in that point in time, he was well past his prime and it, he should not have been a wrestler at that point in time. He should have been the voice of the Dungeon of Doom. Um, what else was wrong with it? Oh, and Eddie, Before you go, I got a question. Where in the hell is the Conk Republic? Yeah, no clue, brother. <laughs> no clue. I'm going to say you went from Daytona Beach, Florida... You were Singapore for a minute, and then you were with the Conk Republic. So if anybody yeah, I, knows what the Conk Republic is, please let us know. Put it in there. 80% off your next order. But please. Um, so there was a lot wrong with it. I So what was wrong with the way WCW was presented at that point in time? Um, there, now, there is a transition period here that's going to happen while the Dungeon of Doom is a thing. Cartoony. I don't know if you remember WCW Saturday Night when they used to go down into the Dungeon mm-hmm. of Doom, and they had the guy who was like in the wall, like it was real cartoony. And now you have all this great talent, though. You got Ming, you got the Barbarian, yeah, yeah. Um, and I'm not a huge fan of his, but you have Brutus the Barber Beefcake, Zodiac. Um, yep. You have all this. Yeah, like Kamala. Talent. You had Shark. And the yeah. only one that should have never been in there to me was Conan. Yeah, see, Conan never never made sense to me. Um, and then you had Kevin Sullivan's brother. Dave Sullivan. Wanted to be Hulk Hogan. And, they, and that's um, the thing. They, 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 they should have never switched him to the – he was the equalizer when he first came, and they should have kept him that way. Yeah, it just got real dumb, which I love Dusty Rhodes. I want to say this is Dusty Rhodes booking at the time. Um, because it's so over the top and that's kind of how Dusty books stuff. Um, but then you have, uh, I mean, you have all this great talent. Uh, Earthquake was ruined by becoming the shark. Um, 
Bruce Bar Beefcake was ruined by becoming the booty man. Uh, he, uh, gimmicks. I remember one when he was a uh, brute force. If you remember that that Rodman Down Under DVD, he was brute force. Oh yeah, yeah. You talk about the man with no names. How about the man with too many gimmicks? Too many gimmicks, and you know he went anywhere. Well, let me ask you this. And then you. With had, that being said, did you like the butcher? I personally did when he turned on Hogan. I yeah, you know. Yeah, I, I did. I think I the did. only thing I didn't like, but we all know why this happened. When he got the title shot at Starcade. Yeah, it was just, you know. I, I If there's anything I can say about Hulk Hogan that is positive, I guess, is the fact that he was very loyal to Ed O'Neill um, or uh, Ed, whatever his name is. Uh, Bruce Barton. Hey, Leslie. He was so loyal to him that he drug him I, out. I'm about to say, shout out to Mary with Children. Marriage, I'm sorry. I, don't, I have Ed O'Neill on the brain because I watched the documentary about him earlier. Um, but, yeah, uh, the fact that everywhere Hogan went, he took him with him, even into the NWO as the disciple, even in the TNA. Um, Hogan, I mean, and I hear they're not friends anymore, but uh, Hogan was very loyal to that. I think, man. yeah, they did have a falling out for him, and I think they, they, they patched it up. They're probably not as close as they were, but on my way, they did talk up, they did talk, and, and, kind of, and kind of cleared the air. Well, let's let's back up and talk about a faction which we should have we should have talked about from the beginning. Well, really, we're going to double up on this one: the Von Erics and the Freebirds. Ooh, um, you're getting into some dangerous ground there because that's the biggest feud in Texas history. Um, that is every professional wrestler of the '90s says that is the that you cannot speak on it unless you were there because the crowd was so behind those baby face Von Erics and those nasty Freebirds came into town and riots ensued and people was going to cut them. And Terry Bam Bam Gordy was going to punch women in the front row. And apparently this was like the biggest thing in Texas besides football. So what you, what do you think made it work? Cause it, it takes a lot. We all know the Von Erics, whether they were good, whether they bought quote unquote Vineras in that sucked. Fritz made them boys out to be great. Uh, what made the Freebirds that team? To me, uh, the Freebirds, to me, and going to get some gruff for this, are a thousand times better than the Horsemen. Freebirds, to me, uh, no matter who they were in the ring with, the Freebirds could win at any point in time. They could get in there with any team, whether it was the Road Warriors, whether it was Tully and all, whoever it is, and you never doubted that the Freebirds, I'm talking the original Freebirds, not their, you know, their not the Jimmy, not, not the Jimmy Jams, no. We're talking about Michael P.S. We're talking about Buddy Jack, and we're talking about Bam Bam. See, that's what was good about the Freebirds, because you had Michael Hayes. He was pretty much the talker, but he knew how to set that tone. Buddy was that guy. Just want to beat up, just yeah. want to beat up, and Bam Bam was the guy that's going to beat you up. Yeah, so you would watch Michael Hayes start a match, and you watch Buddy get in, take the beating, and then you'd watch Bam Bam come in and just murder people. Um, and it was such a good dynamic, and Bam Bam was such a big man. I mean, he was a big old boy. Uh, so no matter how much crap Michael P.S. Hayes talked, which if you've never heard a P.S. Hayes interview, please go uh, back and check him out yeah. on YouTube. Um, he could talk a blind man into uh, a store to watch a one-colored movie. 
Uh, he, I mean, he was, uh, he was just a, a fantastic talker. He could just, he could talk your money out of your pocket, but and he couldn't it, back it up. Bam Bam whether, backed it up. Whether he was good or bad, his style never changed. No, even when, I mean, I never understood this too in later years when he became Doc Hendricks in WWE. That never made sense to me that you took such a huge name and got rid of Michael P.S. Hayes. I mean, that was. And then bring him back with the heart. Now. Michael Hayes. Yeah. Well, Michael Hayes, let me, let me ask you this on him. Did you agree with him, even though it was a short stint, did you agree with him winning the U.S. title from Luger? No, not at all. Not at all. Um, at that point in time, it was the wrong move because, and you know I think Lex Luger is the worst wrestler in the world. I think I've said that in a previous episode. Um, I just, at that point, it was the right, uh, the right move would be keep Luger doing whatever he's doing and get them as far away from each other as possible at that point in time, because Luger was a star coming up. Michael was a star coming down and there was the Michael wasn't gaining anything at that point in time. Do you agree with that? I, I definitely agree with that. But then, you know, again, it's one of those political, like I said, he only had it for a short, a short bit to me he didn't even look right with it i could see him with like with the six man titles the u.s titles and the tag titles but u.s champion at that at that period like you said it kind of it kind of didn't fit so which is probably why it didn't last as long as it did and who but did let, he lose that title to was it lost, sting i believe he lost it back to luger oh, if luger? i'm not if i'm not mistaken so see, and it doesn't even see. And to me, and the '80s and '90s were like this. They made some booking decisions, and then they would change their mind. And a couple weeks to a month later, they would flip the title back to the person that originally had it. And I said, "This is that. Throw it against the wall and see if it sticks." Mm-hmm. In the right place, at the right time. It should have probably been somebody else. So. Most definitely. So let's 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 fast let's fast forward. Because right now we're just talking about Bruiser. We're really going to talk about the ones that either didn't like or should have never been. But let's fast forward. Let's go back to let's go back to ECW. What about the FBI? Now, see, this is one of my favorite factions. And as we were talking about earlier, our old good buddy Tommy Rich here, um, the fact that at one point in time, the full-blooded Italians had two people in the group that were not Italian at all. See, they even, that weren't Italian at all. You, you had one that was black. Yeah. And uh, nothing against my black brothers, but <laughs> I'm just saying. I don't know, Jack. Even, even New Jack said J.T. Smith was a good worker, but they they, they kind of did that kind of like a joking faction, but he made it work for him. Yeah, I mean, and J.T. was a good worker, though. Yeah, I said uh, good work. So he he made it work. But what could they have done if they would have tag teamed him with Scorpio? Or not uh, Scorpio Sky, but uh, Too Cold Scorpio. Scorpio. Um, you know what I mean? There's so many other things they could have done with him that would have been so much better. But yeah. um, you know, and uh, I've always uh, argued with the fact that you know you have a great worker like that and you give him a stupid gimmick because it's funny. Some people that works, Colt Cabana that works. JT was too good, though. JT should have been the ECW world champion if they could have got a gimmick on him that was the correct gimmick, which was just been a wrestler um, because he was that. I mean, he was just good. And nobody knows his name unless you're a diehard, which is really sad. Right. Who was your favorite member? Mine, 
and we're gonna um, we're gonna talk about him again when I on the next group I'm gonna bring up. My favorite member was Tracy Smothers. See, I'm more of a. I've been on events with Tony Mamaluke, but Little Guido to me, pound for pound, is one of the greatest wrestlers in the world. Um, when I watch CCW, the the guys that I wanted to watch, and they always had great matches together, was Tajiri and Little Guido. Um, you put those two guys together, it was fantastic. And Little Guido to me was the only full blooded Italian that was actually Italian <laughs> right. besides Tony Mamaluke. Um, but yeah, little Guido to me, um, he was a very small man, but he was such a good wrestler. He was so good. And his matches with Tajiri and super crazy to this day are some of the stiffest, craziest matches you've ever seen. Uh, another thing that guys go watch those, watch, uh, little Guido versus super crazy versus Tajiri. And I promise you, you will not be, uh, you know, wanting to watch any other wrestling for the day because that match you will watch it three or four times to make sure you caught everything that they did oh yeah those three-way dances was on point so segue into this what the nation of domination now let, let me before we talk about them see a lot of people think if you we wasn't following that the nation actually started in the wwf it didn't oh no no the nation started in the uswa yeah with the soul taker and PG-13 right. and Farouk actually came to Memphis to check on them and this is when you know they was pretty much just bringing everybody in but they were taking guys and this what made it funny they were taking guys and giving them crazy names like my favorite we talked about Tracy Smothers when he joined the nation he was Shaquille Ali yeah you had, <laughs> I didn't know that <laughs> yes you had uh, Reggie B. Fine was Kareem Olajuwon I feel like I know that guy. Yeah, I think you do. Think even like him. Know, we had the Spellbinder was Elijah. We had Randy Hales was Randy X. I mean, they they had guys just all over the place. And pretty much every we had um Jacqueline. She was Miss Texas. She was Queen Moesha. <laughs> but we yep. if you go back and look at those if you put nation memphis or nation of dominant uswa i mean pretty much everybody was joining the nation every match they would every match was disqualified because of them and pg-13 at the time were leaders there then they bought it to the wwf why they didn't why they didn't use them like they did in memphis i don't know they pretty much was the dudes that you beat up and they was rapping down now pretty much off key every time. But yes, yeah. the Nation of Domination yeah. started in Memphis. And with that said, I'm going to jump up. Who led better, Farouk or The Rock? And why? Uh, okay, so to me, um, the Nation gets split into two groups here. This is, uh, once again, NWO, NWO Wolfpack to me. Um, Farouk's uh, Nation was a political it's kind of the same thing we just talked about a few minutes ago with this revolution thing they're doing that was a political statement when that happened the rocks nation was more gang warfare because now you're having owen hart join and you know what i mean right. it was farouk's nation was more of a black pride to me 
which I have no, there's no issue there. I, I understood it. The colors they wore, I mean, it represented that. And I think that's how it was presented. Do you agree? That's I agree. how that was being presented. And I think. And then when Owen Hart joined, it wasn't that. It was, it was gang warfare. I would say Farouk's, to me, meant the most because it was, uh, to me, doing that in that time frame, 596, I'm thinking, maybe even 97. Um, mm-hmm. this is a it's hard to uh do this in that era. This is a you can get canceled on TV for ruffling feathers, so I would say Farouk's nation to me, minus PG 30 rapping, but once it got you know down to the D Lo Brown, the Mark Henry's, um, and Mustafa, that one, not Mustafa, I'm sorry, um, comma, comma, comma the Godfather. And I think, and I think one of the things I think they failed on, but I think it was because most so of injury purposes. When I met Johnson Join, oh they, yeah, they quit. They killed it quicker than it than it happened. Because I think he was perfect for the nation. But, but crush at one point in time. Yeah, yeah crush. The reason they was crush and Savio Vega. And Which through. Crush got fired for the police finding guns and steroids in his house at this point in time. Um, I just read an article about that yesterday, actually. Jim Ross, just, if you guys want to look that up, Jim Ross just released a, a shoot interview about why Crush got fired from WWF. And they found um, unregistered guns and a whole bunch of steroids in his house. So they had to fire him. Definitely. But let's talk about... Like I said, we didn't we didn't go through names that we may even go back to some. A matter of fact, there's there's really one more I want to bring up. Like I said, there were so many. We might even have to do a part two of this at one point. What about the the natural born thrillers? Uh, what's your thoughts on them? I think at since WCW was pretty much on the brink of closing anyway. I like the talent that was in it, and I think um. Mike Sanders grew on me because, you know, he started off, he was above average, he was a mid-carder, but his mic skills were great. And you had all this young talent that they should have used a long time ago. They just came at that, that, that wrong period. WCW was on their way out. I mean, they tried. They, they tried their hardest. It, it was, was kind of like that too little, too late kind of thing. And this is also the time where and a lot of the people that probably listen to us weren't alive for this. Um, you had what it was it the radicals? Um, yeah, the uh, Saturn, Shane Douglas. Oh, the, the revolution. Um, the revolution. They became the radicals when they came to WWE. So the revolution's going on. Um, then you had Bam Bam and yeah, the Triad. Page, the tri- I mean, you had all these groups. Um, you had the New Blood. Yeah, the Filthy um, Animals. The Filthy Animals, which The Young was, Dragon. Oh, my God. There was, like, literally a group in every segment. You had Three Count. Yeah, Three um, Count. Which was horrible. Um, there was so much that you had all this great young talent. And a lot of people aren't aware. This is the time when AJ Styles made his debut. Yes, um, yes. The Cruiserweight and- Tournament. It is completely forgotten about because of all. I mean, literally every match was a, a three-man tag match or a, a four-man tag match. You had the NWO was still around at this point in time. 
I mean, it was just a cluster of what they were doing, which I, I kind of think that's why that team didn't work is because they weren't the only group in town. And at that point in time, if you're looking at groups, I'm going to look more at Saturn and Shane Douglas and that group that they had formed as, hey, this I think Benoit might have been in that group too. He was. That's a group right there that I could invest in, not, you know, this guy. So I know we talked about this. We, we talked about this off air. We talked about then we're going to go into the, the factions that um, that either didn't work or we didn't like. But you talked about Team Canada. <laughs> I love Team Canada. Which version? Now, we're, this is going to segue back into that 2 by 4 just so you know. Um, I loved the WCW in Canada where the title belts. Now, just so everybody's aware, just to advocate for this, I am a huge Lance Storm fan. I think Lance Storm was one of the greatest wrestlers of the world. Did he cut a good promo? No, but he was one of the greatest wrestlers in the world. And when he debuted in WCW and won, I believe, the Cruiserweight title, the TV title, and the United States title. No, Cruiserweight, the U.S., I think it was the hardcore. Hardcore, that's what it was. He, did, he was the non-hardcore. He, he reformed all of them, man, the Canadian whatever title. There's a title belt. Lance Storm was great, and he had Mike Awesome with him, who was not Canadian. Uh, he had Eli Skipper, who was no way Canadian. Yeah, the Hacksaw Jim Duggan wasn't Canadian. Uh, they turned Hacksaw Jim Duggan into a heel. Um, I I'm surprised that, that actually. Canada. I'm surprised that lasted longer than it did. Yeah, I really. Uh, uh, and then they had, uh, I think Major Guns was with them for a little bit, but she was called something else at that point. Yeah, yeah she, she was Major Guns because she, she was with uh, MIA, which is on my list of groups I didn't like, but we'll talk about that here in a minute. Booker T. <laughs> yeah. Poor Booker. I love DNA, I also liked, um, but not like Eric Young as a mentally challenged human being who I didn't care for that. Um, I did, I did like a lot of, uh, uh, Petey Williams. Yes. Underrated. So underrated. Very, very. Um, there's a, I mean, you can't. So not, a, not at all. Now let's talk about the groups that either you didn't like or shouldn't have been. And I already said that we, we pretty much touched <laughs> on a lot of them, but there's a couple we haven't talked about. One of them you're probably, you're probably going to shoot me on. I mean, anytime that you put Hugh Morris, um, Chavo, Chavo, I mean, they, oh my God. And where they call last, the last through Van Hammer. Van Hammer. Oh, and Van dude. Hammer was the guy, you know, when he first started, they had him, I think he was like private stash. And I believe yeah. they moaned and they changed it because, you know, Private is like the lowest ranking in a, in any group if you're military. So he they they bumped him all the way up to major. Booker T at this point is I mean, granted he went to higher levels after this, but what a going from Harlem Heat, which is this badass tag team, just waffle. 
ring with to a joke. I mean, he was honest to God a joke. And it was it was embarrassing. I know it had to be embarrassing for him, but and then you have Hugh Morris who granted was just a should have never won the US I mean, title. I'm sorry. Should never won the US title. No, Hugh Morris to me was uh, and nothing against Bill DeMott, though, per what I've heard Kenny Omega say in shoot interviews, he's not a real nice guy. But uh, he just he, – he belonged in the Dungeon of Doom, which I believe he yeah, was. Yeah, he in was in the Dungeon of Doom. Doom. Then he went um, back – then he went back to Hugh Morris at the end. end. Yeah. I feel like that was a – see, WCW to me was so confusing. Very, <laughs> it was just – one week they were so awesome, and then it's just like somebody threw away all the scripts they had written for a year, and they didn't know what to do. Now I'm gonna jump on it. I'm, I'm gonna get it out the way. Like I said, you're probably gonna come through the phone and choke me on it. Maybe you're not, but one fact I did not like, maybe, and you'll probably know why, is the Latino World Order. Oh, uh, they never did anything with them. That was yeah, that, that's what that, that was. That was the reason why I didn't like. They didn't do nothing with them. And then you all you did modify the NWO. Yeah, and um, to me, I now taking race out of it and everything else. What would have made sense would have been a cruiserweight together, and they were attacking bigger guys or something. But just making it, which I get it. Most of cruiserweights were Latino, you know, whatever. But if the cruiserweights would have attacking heavyweights to me that would have made sense um especially making the cruiserweights the heels that i think it would have been something neat i don't done like that um i know wrestling psychology tells you big man bad little man good but uh what happens when the little man's bad and the big man's good and exactly. but the little man is a hyena with a whole pack of wolves with him that's going to help take down the big man you know it's to me, it's a it's a storyline waiting to happen. Exactly, and I think an, another one that failed to me, and I'm a, I'm gonna save this one. I'm gonna save what I want to say for last. But another group I think that failed to me is the new breed in ECW. Yeah, which I I don't think that was. I really believe that was, but kind of what AJ Styles has recently talked about. It's way Paul Heyman books. He just he books per show and but it's per show with a long term plan, but he doesn't have a long term plan. Um, I don't think he knew what to do with those guys. He couldn't let them beat the Sandman or Sabu because that was going to piss off Sandman or Sabu. I so, mean, you had a bad like Monty Brown. I mean, know? they screwed over Monty Brown because he was one of my my favorites when he was in TNA. Oh, the pounce. Then you changed his name to Marcus Covon. You gave him some goofy music. You know, they we have left a very big faction out today that I really feel like we need to touch on. Go ahead. And uh, just because we did Talk and Shop of Mania a couple weeks ago. Oh. I mean, we're leaving out the Bullet Club. And... Oh, no, the we can't. Bullet Club has created some of the best stars in professional wrestling, and the Bullet Club has outlasted the NWO. It outlasted DX. I mean, far as time, the Bullet Club is still going. Yes. No doubt. But let me ask you this Who was the best leader? 
color. Um, exactly. Yeah. I asked this question the other day. Um, Fergal is the one that named it the Bullet Club in real life. That's a shoot. He was the one that came up with it. I wonder if he's getting paid for that name still, if he's still collecting on those shirts and stuff. That, that definitely would be interesting to know. Yeah, but you're right. They are definitely still going. I believe Jay White is the leader now, I believe. I know Evil has just joined him in July, and he has both the IC and the IWGP title. And just think about some of the names that have came through the Bullet Club, Anderson and Gallows, AJ Styles. um, Cody. You got Cody. You got got Hangman Page. The Bucks. Kenny Omega. Even even Jeff Jarrett was a member. I mean, it's uh, and now Haku's in it. Ad, uh, yep, Adam Cole. Adam Cole, baby. Uh, I mean, the list goes on and on and on, and they're uh, still taking new members. And but everybody who is a member of that group comes out a better wrestler, and, and comes I, out a bigger star. Cody Hall, uh, which is Scott yeah, Hall's son, was yeah, a member of the Bullet yeah, Club. We can't even get about Kenny Omega. Omega. Kenny Omega, who is. Used to be the greatest wrestler. We'll see. Yeah. So we're the greatest wrestler in uh, Japan, at least. But yeah, I said that you you're definitely right. That that group is is still going, and they're still going strong. But I love the uh, Tamatanga and Tangaloa. Yeah, I just wait for them to come to AEW. I, 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 I was a big fan of the Gorillas of Destiny, but those I know those are Haku's sons. Oh, we would. Now, what about the elite? What I think about the elite, the elite to me is kind of like the the original NWO. To me, they're not they're not going anywhere anytime soon. But but but, but to no, me, they're the just like is, NWO. The elite has faction, so it's the elite, and then you also have SCU, who technically are really a, a portion of the elite but the scu is its own faction which i'm a huge fan of scorpio sky uh, i cannot and i will say it every time you give me a chance to scorpio sky should be the aew champion i think he, i think he will i think he, i think he will be i think i see him kind of the way they're, they're pushing it if you watch AEW dark they're, they're kind of kind of slowly pushing them away from scu got them doing a lot of single stuff on dark, they call him the king of AW Dark. So yeah, I definitely see a, a title on him. Yeah, sooner than later. Is, to me, my favorite. If somebody would say, Wesley, what is your favorite wrestler today? I would say it's Scorpio Sky all day long. And uh, huge shout out Scorpio Sky. Uh, he got an action figure from us. He didn't get it made, but somebody else had it made. And Scorpio gladly autographed it and said he loved it. And some guys, you know, we make action figures for, and then they're like, hey, are we gonna get paid for it or something like that? I was like, man, this is the coolest thing I've ever seen. And if AEW had action figures coming out or anything, so all right, so uh, he had shout out to so him. He was, he was the first to have his own figure for. He was the first AEW guy. I mean, you had the the worst town. I mean, you you really put some work in that figure. I, I remember that figure. Yeah, and that was a fun one because I he's one of those guys to me. I just ultimately respect. Good, a good human, and um, unfortunately, a lot of pro wrestlers aren't. 
but he just seemed he'd be a guy you want to go have dinner with, maybe have a beer with, and probably be cool. Oh, most definitely. And now, like I said, we probably gonna have to do a part two of this, but we're gonna close it out with the faction that should have never happened. Even though I'm a big fan of this man, I respect this man. They they really dropped the ball on this. You want to take a guess of where I'm going with it before I say it? Drop the ball on it. Is this recent or is this it's, old? It's old. Old. But... It's probably one you're not even thinking about. Not even it's, thinking about it. And it's probably one that should have, like I said, that never happened. But the names that was involved in it was the reason why they did it. Is it the union? No, I hated the union. <laughs> See, how worst I can think of. Who we got? I'm talking about the No Limit Soldiers. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> oh, no, you didn't. <laughs> and let me tell you, well, like I said, I was a, I'm a fan of Master P. Like I said, he's from my hometown. I know why they bought him in. And he got paid. I think he said he got paid about $2 million to do that. Because he, cause he really said he signed. Yeah, well, you know. And like I said, he had, don't forget the same time frame, though. They bring in ICP. Nope. Um, they bring in my favorite band, The Misfits. It was just, it was Eric Bischoff's way of spending money. Pretty much. I say he had, he had a big swole. Then he had a guy, had got a big, well, why guy named Chase, who, if you paid attention, Chase was a, was pretty much a jobber at first. They just made him a no limit soldier. They put Brad Armstrong in the group. For some reason or another, B Rad, B A, the B A, and then, <laughs> like I said, Carl Ray made sense. But yeah, it was gone with it because we we can't forget about the West Texas Rednecks. Oh man, Rad! Yeah. I say, okay, you got a guy from Minnesota hanging out with some guys from Texas. <laughs> yeah, yeah, who yeah, Henning, funny. Bobby Duncan Jr. Bobby Duncan Jr. Yeah. Then they bought Kendall win. And the greatest sidekick of them all, Curly Bill. Oh, Lord have mercy. Well, shoot. If that's the case, we got to talk about other powers that be. I'm just curious now, because would you consider our truth and Little Jimmy a faction? Because we don't know how many Little Jimmies there were. That's true. There could have been multiple little Jimmies, and we just don't know it because we can't see little Jimmy. See, this is this is about the time little Jimmy should come back and get the twenty four seven title. And <laughs> nobody can beat him. Nobody can beat him. They can't catch him. This will be the perf. This will be the perfect segue. The only person that can't beat him is Truth. I think that would be a great promo if Truth, like he just looks discombobulated and upset, and somebody says, "What's wrong, Truth?" He can he do kind of like well, last what, night while I sleep, but little Jimmy beat me for the title. And he can do kind of like what Al Snow was doing with head. We just, but when he's talking, when they when they switch cameras, we don't see him. He see him, but we don't. Little Jimmy. Now I said we was gonna close out, but this is a good question. This is a good conversation. Who should? Matter of fact, who should be a group? Oh, let, let me let me back. Let me change that question. We got the undisputed era. Right now, do you think at TakeOver, do you think that the Undisputed Era is going to turn on Adam Cole? I believe 
that. So I don't know if you're keeping up with the Pat McAfee stuff that's on, which means stupid. But I, you know, I look at so I look at it a little bit different. But to me, to one, Adam Cole is significantly smaller than not a big man. He's just not. I'd say he's the next Shawn Michaels. Uh, there is going to get called up. Maybe not Roderick Strong. Might not. I think Roderick Strong's going to get left behind. I think uh, Fish and O'Reilly are gone. I think they're going to Raw. I fear for what they're going to do with them. I think they're going to be on Raw, though, because they need a tag team on Raw. And that um, says a lot. Roderick Strong and Adam Cole are getting left behind in NXT, though. And that's a lot because none of them don't want to get called up. So what does that say? Is it just NXT is good or are they just comfortable? Or are they just looking at what's happening I for those who too, do? I think you're right with comfortable. I think Fish and O'Reilly will go. Those are the two that are and I'm not saying this to be rude or anything, but I think those are the two that would do the best. I think Roderick Strong and Adam Cole, who are should be the two standouts because they have the most experience, exactly, um, are going to be left behind because I don't think I don't think Roderick Strong has the confidence level to do it, um, just because he hasn't done it yet. Uh, I mean, he was in Ring of Honor forever. I've actually been on with Roderick Strong when I was 15, 16 years old. Um, so we're talking. I mean, that's 20 years ago. So, I mean, it's – I just don't see that happening. And I – who is Adam Cole going to feud with? I don't think baby faces on and, and that's the thing. AJ Styles. Of, and, and that's the thing. They they looks like they're trying to make Adam Cole a baby face. They, they're trying. Because for those who don't know, those who are not paying attention, Pat McAfee is an ex-football player. He was a punter. So, if you're wondering why he – if you wonder why he kicked the crap out of Ammo, that's why. He was a punter. And from what they're a saying. For the reason they won is because they had Peyton Manning. Yes. And the, by the way they're talking, we might see something from Pag McAfee that we're not expecting. It's kind of like when D'Angelo Williams wrestled for TNA. Yeah. Pac-Man Jones, too, man. Yep, the Mister Mister don't get touched, but still became a tag team champion. Yeah, so so it's definitely yes. doable, which I don't, which is definitely doable. But we just called out a lot of factions, and this time I'm gonna say for we're gonna close with this question: Who would you like to see as a faction? All right, so who would you like to see as a faction? I guess that you can kind of build off of that is who needs a faction there you um, go that, that's a better question uh, there's guys that need a faction right now and now one of them uh we don't know if he's coming back to tv or not is austin theory um if austin theory comes back to tv which happen or not uh, but if it does they've tried twice now to put him in factions i don't know if everybody's staying up to date with this they put him with andrade it didn't right. work out. They put him with Seth Rollins. Something has happened where Austin is off TV. We all kind of have an idea what happened, but we don't know. Um, I think Austin Theory needs to be in a faction, though. 
I don't think he's ready to be out there on his own. I think he needs to have something for him. Um, Austin Theory is a, a guy that needs to be in a faction, but I think he needs to be in a faction with like-minded people. So maybe like a Dolph Ziggler or um, that physique. You know what I mean? Somebody else who's a good-looking young guy who it makes sense. Maybe not a Seth Rollins, though. He needs to be with somebody else who's uh, still out there be um, better. You know what I mean? Somebody's push him to the next level. I think Austin Theory is one of the guys that has to be in a faction for at least the next year or so. See, this one, this one's kind of hard for me. But I think – what they need to do, and you might need to help me out on this one, they need to, and this is why I think they dropped the ball, when they closed down Evolve. Oh, yeah, that they, was a horrible but, idea. But when, when they closed down Evolve, I think they, they feel big time, because I would have said, if you got, like, you got like Matt Riddle, Drew Gulak, you get guys, you get guys like that together, Pretty much reform the group they had in Evolve. And those guys were all straight. Renzi, and that would be a good one for Austin Theory as well, is to put him with Rick Gulak. Because these are your, I mean, you have Austin Theory, face of Evolve, um, and the World Wrestling Network. You have, who was the face of the World Wrestling Network and Evolve. Um, Matt Riddle. He was the face of MLW. He was the face of Evolve. I mean, these are guys that all have been with each other for so long. That would make sense. But, you know, don't really make a whole lot of sense. No, which is why, and you're wondering why 205 Live is still hanging on a thread. And if anybody ever goes to a SmackDown show, they'll do the SmackDown tapings, and then when you see 205 Live, you might as well... You might want to just wait. If you're not sitting down on the floor close, you might want to just go walk on down there. Because they try their hardest to make it look like a lot of people are still there. Yeah, and that's depressing, though, because they have some really good talent. And the fact that Brian Kendrick's career kind of has came to an end on 205 Live and not getting any respect, the matches that Brian Kendrick put on on 205 Live were fantastic. Oh, yeah. I was, I was actually and shocked they brought him back. Oh, yeah, I was definitely a fan. Def, definitely a fan. So, we're getting ready to shut it down. Is there anything we want to we want to end on a good note, as always? Like I said, we're going to come. We're going to come. Like I said, we're like an RKO. We come yeah. out of nowhere. Definitely got to look out for us. Like I said, we're going to be a little bit more consistent with this. If you guys even have a topic you want us to talk about, shoot us an email. We'll, we'll talk about it. Yeah, if it makes sense, of course we will. But just use the email. I mean, there's a lot of wrestling that we we can talk about. Yeah, and I think our next topic: who should have been WWE or WWF at one point or time. So we're going to talk about some main events that happened in one. I think uh, that's a very solid topic because there's a lot of times especially at WrestleMania where the wrong person won. And I think we should have that conversation or maybe guys that never got the, um, and one, uh, segue figuring out some more. like Kofi. I'm 
Um, stuff like that where it was so bad that this person didn't win that you were mad about it for months upon months and you felt like WWE didn't you know what? That's going to be our topic. I think that can be Who should have been WWE champion but never got that opportunity? And I'm I'm pretty sure that's going to – I don't know about your list, but I'm pretty sure you, you, you have a lot of names in mind. Let's oh, see. Yeah, well, you I, get your I, list I, down. I'm gonna get my list down. Like I said, we're gonna we want to thank everybody for listening to us. And I wonder whoever's listening to us in Ireland, shoot us an email so we can know who you are. Because as I can say, this podcast, we can say we have gone international in just four episodes. So whoever you are in That's Ireland. Awesome. Hey Ireland, hello. Hello, I we mean, appreciate you listening and so much. And when they say Irish eyes are smiling, well, American eyes are smiling too. So whoever you are, shoot us an email on the Snap Customs page. We want to know who you are. We want to we want to point you out. All our American listeners, we love y'all too. Continue to support this because we, we want to do big things with this. I know a lot of people have podcasts. A lot of people pretty much talk about the same thing. But, you know, like I said, we're unfiltered. We're unscripted. We're going to start getting guests on here. And I've definitely been talking to a couple of people that definitely want to come on and talk to us. So th- just be looking out. We, we about to do some big things on this podcast. And you can check and us out. Things uh, we want to do. We have merch. So if you want to get some snap cut, shoot us over a message. I mean, the sky's the limit. Space is the place. You can get T-shirts. Here that way. I mean, we face mask. If you guys want some snap? Just reach out and we will do our best to get it to you. Oh, yes. You want the face mask? Talk to us. You want a shirt made? Talk to us. You want to get cups? Talk to us. To be told, we might just get all this and get a whole Get Snap podcast site. And if you're wondering, where can you listen to us at? Well, of course, you can go to the Snap Customs page. We keep all the links there. You can go to anchor.fm slash Snap Customs. You can go to Spotify, Radio Public, Pocket Cast, Google Podcast, Breaker, Overcast. You look those names up, we are there. And they're listening on those those social media sites. We just want this to grow. Also, if you love us so much, you want to donate to the company, when you go to the Anchor page, it hits donate. You can be a monthly subscriber to us. We don't ask for money. We don't eat it. But anything that we make, like I said, on a previous episode, like I said, Christmas is coming up. It's August. I have a goal of December 1st to raise as much money as we can to get as many gifts as we can out. With this COVID going on, I know it's hard for a lot of families. I want to do my part. I know Wes want to do his part. So we're asking, my, we're going to say, I called him this on the last show, the Get Snap Galaxy. Come join in on this. And as always, guys, we appreciate you so much for the time of your uh, very busy days and listening. Whenever we end anything, if it's a live show, if it's the podcast, we end it with one thing, and that's get snapped. Yeah. Good night, everybody.